Welcome to Headshots, the psychology and gaming podcast. <laughs> My name is Jose Cardona with Kelly Dunlap. Hello, Kelly. Hey, how's it going? Today, we're going to talk about community, but in a, in a slightly different sense. I was thinking back to our first episode of Headshots, which is about right when Pokemon Go came out and kind of how we saw this community just grow and flourish and and like I want to I want to I do something like that I want to I want to build a better community around a game <laughs> around gaming in general around certain ideas I think you have some experience in that area so I thought it would be a good chance to talk about that I have managed a community or two in my in my time yes so uh, so what are your credentials in that area well so I mean in all seriousness I was the main content and community manager for my own website, Griffball Hub. Uh, and I was lead day-to-day in that for probably about five or six years. So that's generating content for the front page, editing what other people send in, directly engaging with the community, uh, addressing concerns, running leagues and tournaments, uh, even in-person events like at the Rooster Teeth Expo. Uh, so yeah, I've done uh, I've done the gamut in that. In uh, since then, and in addition to, I was temporarily hired as a contractor by MoveOn.org during the 2016 election to head up their social media and community management um, position division kind of thing. So I um, helped facilitate the development of a, of a Facebook group where we interacted and shared thoughts and ideas and answered questions about the the games that uh, the it was called uh, Swing Voter Go. And uh, questions around that and helped pushing out press information and whatnot. And uh, now I, I help out with Josue here on, uh, on the Geek Therapy uh, Facebook group. So spurring conversation, replying to comments, uh, gathering resources, all sorts of fun things like that. So I've got a I have a plethora of uh, community engagement experiences. So there are a few a few areas that I was I've been thinking about, which is. There is the there's the people. There are also and, and then the different roles that they can play. But there's also the tools. So like you you own and operate right uh, Griffball Hub, and but Griffball Hub is like it wouldn't be what it is if it weren't for Bungie's game Halo and if it weren't for Rooster Teeth's um, like also community and and their ideas and so like how. How did how does something how do you start a community essentially like how do you start a gaming community do these, do these things happen organically or, or can they do some intention really matter here both uh, I think both are really important to um, to keep in mind because if there's one thing that gamers hate it feels uh, is the feeling of being pandered to or manipulated so to some extent uh, community growth really does have to be organic and have some kind of common starting point. So in the case of Griffball Hub, obviously it was the uh, the game Griffball, which is a, a game type within the Halo universe. And that's what brought people together initially was their interest in this community. Um, but even taking a step back before that, there had to be a place for people to gather. And something that I've, I've kind of picked up along the way is that if you don't provide that place, people are going to go make it themselves. So uh, just, just keep that in mind. So they have a place to gather, whether you have created that space or they have gone off and created their own. And keep in mind that if your space sucks, they're going to go off and create their own space anyway, if it doesn't meet their needs. So really important to respond to and, and facilitate the, the needs of, of your community. And 
so that that's kind of the organic part that they're going to reach out and if they have a positive experience you're going to bring people in and the the community can kind of grow itself that said there are several tactics that are used by uh, you know larger uh, entities uh, things like SEO optimization you know if you show up as the fan site for something or the community for something that has uh, a huge huge impact on the amount of people that you can bring in Things like having an active social media presence is uh, really, really important. I know when we were um, we were getting some feedback on like what makes people tune into podcasts and want to engage with them through social media. The number one response from the people in, in our community was, you know, are they responsive? If I tweet at them, are they going to tweet back? Are they engaging? Are they present? And it sounds like a really simple thing, but I know Josue and every other CM out there can like nod their head along going that social media management is a full time job. It's not just something you can do on the side. If you want to do it right, it really is this huge, huge investment. So those are kind of the the two sides to it. You got the, the organic growth on one side because you have something that people are genuinely interested in. You give them a place to share and express and their their thoughts, their feelings, their performances, their achievements, their their grief, their strife. And then on the other hand, you have more of the corporate thing of, you know, are you present on social media and are you pushing out advertisements and, you know, do you optimize your SEO and do you have a platform that people actually want to engage in and things like that. So a few years ago, you know, I started Geek Therapy and then out of that came came our podcast, Headshots and, and PsychTech. And there were other things happening that were kind of, I, I saw them all as connected. So I saw, maybe I recognized that there was a community building all around same ideas, right? Psychology, mental health, geek culture, gaming, comic books, things like that. So I thought, you know, I think this is something special. I don't think there's anywhere for these people to go uh, necessarily. So that's when kind of like all the shows came together and became a network. And then I started using that term community because I wanted to bring in all those different pieces into into one, under one banner, I guess, right? And and that's been going on for maybe a little over a year. And you mentioned the Facebook group and that's a part of it because it's really interesting. The people who are in the Facebook group for the most part aren't listeners of the podcasts and the original re- reason why I made the, the the group was for people who like the podcast or to, to come together, and that's not what happened. But there there are people who are who who like the same ideas. So so lately uh, around gaming in particular, because uh, it's probably the area that I feel the most comfortable in. Um, I've been I've been doing a few other things. So I created a Discord server, right? Because oh, this is funny because I I said okay, there there's a lot of gamers in the group. They don't know necessarily. It's not. They're not here because of the podcasts. They're here for for the idea for what we represent. So let me try to um, start building up these communities in different ways, like creating those spaces, like you said, right? So I created a club on Xbox. I created a Steam group. I created a PlayStation group. And then I realized that I was just making smaller groups that were separate. So then I created a Discord server to kind of bring anybody who who played video games online or was interested in video games together. So Discord is like a like a Slack, right? I don't know. I don't know if people know what a Slack is, right? But if you use one for work, it's like a Slack for for gaming. The 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 format is is very similar. And and so I'm trying to create these places to bring people together, not just to chat on Facebook, but to to interact in other ways. And I think that that our our social media game is horrible, like across the board. <laughs> it is just really, really bad. 
right? It is like for everything that you said before, we've done really none of that. And and I've tried to focus on on the geek therapy one in particular, but the the ones for the one for this show in particular, like on Twitter and and Facebook, is practically non-existent. And like you said, it, we it's not a uh, we don't have a full time person to do that. And and with disparate brands, it's it's you know it is a uh, it's a little harder. So so kind of where where we are right now as as like as a geek therapy community, I think there we have those places. Um, and I'm I'm wondering like. Are we in the right places? Are there are there particular tools that you've used that that maybe work better than others that maybe we're not looking into, or, or people, or like, and not just me, right? Like anybody who wants to start building a community, what should they be looking at? Well, I mean, one thing I, I'll push back a little bit that we have when you said we haven't done a lot of of, of the best practices. Um, because again, those best practices are around people who like this is their job; they get paid to do it. Whereas you and I, you know, are this is a volunteer, this is our passion. So you know, we don't we don't get paid, and so you know, I want I want, I want to be kind to ourselves and to the other content creators out there that it, it is it is very challenging when this is not your your um, your full time job. Uh, but one thing that I do want to point out, uh, you had a really great example of excellent community management that you've already done in, in our Facebook group. And you created it for a reason X, but the community took it in reason Y. A good community manager sees that and then grows that. You know, they, they respond to the uh, will and the interest of the community. Uh, the, a bad community manager would have tried to quash it. Like, no, 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 this is for discussion of the podcast only. So... I, I do want to point that out as a, as a really good example of responsive and supportive community management in action. As far as being in all sorts of different places, it's it's tough because, yes, you want to be as many places as possible. But if you have a smaller organization, kind of like kind of like we do, it's, in my opinion, better to have one really solid uh, account, for example, on Twitter than to have many disparate ones that aren't as active. So, for example, if going forward we were to just focus exclusively on pushing content and information and responding through Geek Therapy and pretty much shut down the Psych Tech and Headshots podcasts, you know, that might be something that I feel really weird discussing this in in this kind of open forum because I feel like this is stuff I probably should have mentioned to you as ideas a while ago. So it feels kind of weird. Um but well, you, you said the podcast, not shutting down the podcast. You mean, no, 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 not the podcast, just their Twitters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because again, with, when you have limited resources, I think you need to bring them together in a more concentrated uh, way than having uh, kind of more dispersed breadth. So uh, I think Griffball Hub's a really good example is there's one thing we do and it's Griffball and it's incredibly niche. And the idea that we would have a million followers is really uh, not realistic. So, you know, trying to think that Griffball's community would be the size of Halos or Call of Duties or even Angry Birds is, you know, it's it's not realistic. And you shouldn't beat yourself up over the fact if, if you don't have an enormous community. What's important is the people that you have, are they generative? Are they positive? Are they supporting? Uh, are they interested? Do they engage? And do they, you know, do they give you feedback to some extent? And are they, are they listening to what your, your content, which is important, or, or reading or whatever your content might be? So, uh, yeah, just kind of like consolidating it down into like a core space. And I, I think the Geek Therapy uh, Facebook group, which everybody is welcome to join, just just 
shoot us an invite, we're more than happy to add you. Um, I think that's a good a good part of it. Is it's a space where people can come together, and I, I love going there in the mornings and seeing people asking questions and responding. And so it might not get a million views in in a week. It might get four or five posts in a week. It might get you know maybe one post a day. But those posts are really rich. They tend to be really um, like just just treasure troves of information. Uh, not that long ago, somebody was asking questions about. Uh, you know, they were supposed to give a presentation to a bunch of psychologists about technology use. And the and the comments just filled up with people who have expertise in that area offering to help, offering um, suggestions and advice and, and things like that. And that, to me, is a sign of a, a good and healthy community. It's not the size, it's or I guess it's not the quantity, it's the quality um, at, at its core. And then, of course, you can expand to grow a quantity as well. But if you don't have the quality, then that's you're kind of at a, a non-starter. Yeah, I'm. I'm really happy with with um, with what the what the what that group has become and how people will post. Like that's a great example. But we also had someone who's um, a mental health professional who like just bought a switch and wanted to share with everybody in that group because that's that's kind of where you would do that. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like a, a group where that's space. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though it's like there's 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 these two components that are absolutely compatible and we're able to bring that together. Yeah. So that's that's a like. Like I said, I like the group, and so I think, yeah, I feel good about that. And 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 what you mentioned about the community kind of changing, I I kind of updated the guidelines as I saw that things were changing. I was like, well, you know, I don't want anybody to come in and, and see that it's only about the podcast. So let's kind of open it up. So that's I do, I do feel good about that, and yeah. So and and I've been telling people like Facebook groups are like are pretty good. Like I follow, uh, or I'm a member of Facebook groups. Like I don't like to use Facebook in particular, but I think that Facebook groups is a, is a great space. And, and I'm, a, I'm a member of a few groups from different podcasts and those things are really, really active. And it's, it's cool because everybody's coming around again, either a product or an idea. And, and it is exciting. Yeah. One of the really hmm. great things about the Facebook groups is people in general are already on Facebook and one of the biggest hurdles that a community manager has to confront or any brand really has to confront is if you're asking people to engage with your content, you're asking for their time. And people's time is already stretched super thin. So if you're asking them to, you know, onboard to a new platform or, you know, either one, that platform has to be really, really good. Slack is a really great example. Before Slack, there was GroupMe, which was a terrible, terrible app. And so when I found out about Slack, it was a much better experience. And so the transition was really um, easy. But for example, if you're asking people to, even if it's as simple as opening up an application or going someplace they normally wouldn't in their routine, that's just another obstacle to engagement. So with Facebook, people are already there and in, in general, and you get notifications when things come up in, in your group. And one thing that I really think is is great from a community management and engagement perspective is that the group posts show up in your timeline. So you literally don't even have to leave your Facebook timeline to be able to see what's going on in the group. And I can't tell you how many times I'm reading my timeline and I see a really interesting article and go, oh my gosh, I should totally share that with the Geek Therapy group. And then I look and it sources from the Geek Therapy group. I'm like, okay, I feel like that's always a good sign. Uh, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like mind reading. It's great. Uh, it's working. So yeah, yeah, it's working. So I think, 
Yeah, no, I think Facebook groups are really great. Discord, obviously, is very, very popular. I think it's one of the fastest growing platforms. I am on it, but I don't use it. Um, so I'm see, so I'm the other way around. I I I have all my Facebook notifications turned off, and I rarely go into Facebook. And now because um, they eliminated the groups app, which is completely separate, I could just I used to just go right into the groups app, and that was it, and only get notifications from that. Now I have to go into the actual Facebook app, and I I don't like that, so I'm actually missing stuff from the group because I'm not used to it, mm-hmm. and. But Discord, I have all my notifications on, just like I do for Slack and 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 other things. So I'm, but 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 even even then, like I know, every there's way more people on Facebook, and I knew that once I pitched the idea of a Discord uh, server, I would have to teach a lot of people what Discord is first mm-hmm. of all, get them to buy in and actually download the app, and then actually like have them learn to use it and get into the habit of, of using it or at least turn on the notifications. So I know that that's a lot of buy-in. That's a lot of um, behavior change for someone, right, who who essentially we could get very, something very similar from the Facebook group, but it's not gaming-centric. So, And I knew, I knew that going in that it would be hard and, you know, it hasn't been – there aren't that many people in it and the people who are there aren't necessarily using it. But I think that's a really good point that you you bring up is that you if you're going to be in, say, two platforms like Facebook and Discord, they shouldn't be identical. Like there's there's no reason to like if I'm already engaged in conversations on Facebook, I'm not going to go to to Discord. In my mind, when I think about Discord, I'm like, okay, when we have group game nights, like if we can actually pull one of those together, some kind of community event where we get on and we play games and have like a shared experience or something like that. Discord's my number one place to go. You know, you, you could do something similar on Slack, but Discord is like the place to do that. So I think if you're going to be on multi-platforms like we are, each platform really needs to have its own purpose and understand that each platform is going to attract its own audience. So you just kind of, kind of keeping that in mind. You're not going to have one person who's following us on Twitter and in the Facebook group or you know, contributing via Twitter, contributing via the Facebook group and contributing via Discord. That's... Yeah, I mean that's what that's what the owners of the product do. Um, you know, yeah. the users are going to engage in a the path of least resistance to them. And I, I love that you use the term behavior modification because that is that's exactly what it is. Um, is you're, you're trying to get someone to change a behavior, which is, as we know, notoriously notoriously difficult. Uh, not impossible, but but difficult. So you know, the idea that Discord has a certain set of affordances that. If that's what I'm trying to do, that's where I'm going to go. So if we want to, you know, have a uh, like the next roundtable that we do where we talk about stuff, Discord would probably be a really great place to start like flushing that out um, because you can't really have you can't really kind of have those discussions. It's really hard to have those discussions on the Facebook group because the threads can get lengthy and it's hard to follow one thought to the next. Whereas Discord, if you're bringing everybody together, you know, it's like an IRC. It's a it's a really chat. Um, so that might be a good use for it. Whereas Twitter is for us, it's not even so much about engagement as in uh, like pushing out content and and notifying people that things are going on, and which is also you know important. I know most of most of the people I follow on Twitter, I don't I don't necessarily reply to them, but I really appreciate the content that I get from it. So it can be kind of tough to figure out your sense of engagement at that level. And again, the Facebook group is about coming together, sharing ideas, and sharing cool stuff and nerding out together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so, so like stretching out is, or like, when do you make that change? Right? Like discord is gaming centric. It has, I think it, it makes gaming nights and, and, um, uh, 
um, voice, voice chat way easier, right? Even across pa- platforms and things like that. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. And it's kind of like with this podcast, we, we were talking a lot about gaming on SciTech and I felt like that conversation should be having, should, should be happening somewhere else. And, and when we did that, it worked because headshots then became way more popular than, than SciTech did. And, and so like, that 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 time we were right, <laughs> but a lot of times um, it, it it doesn't work that way. I mean, you really don't know until you try it, and and I think it's it's great that we have all of these tools. Like, I I feel like there would be way more engagement if you if you niche down, and that's why yeah that's why it's easier to like if I started an Xbox club, then everyone who has an Xbox, it's a lot easier to play together. There's there's less barriers to to actually playing a game together. Because if you go into the group and there's enough people online, then you just invite them to play a game and you're done. Still from, from Discord, it's still, there's like one other step, <laughs> depending if you're playing on PC or on a console. And then from Facebook, it's even like, it's still further removed and it's harder to find that information because you don't have a particular channel for a particular game. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Like, I think it's almost, I'm, I, I feel even after all these years, I feel like I'm still, it may, it may be many community managers feel this way, but I still feel like I'm just trying to see what sticks, right? Oh, trying yeah. everything <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. There's no magic bullet. Like there's some guidelines and best practices, but there's no like, this is how you community manage. And it there's, there's no rule book for it. It's a lot better established than it was, you know, when I started and even, you know, you know, predating you know, myself, like with, you know, Bungie, one of the, almost one of the original gaming communities, unless you want to talk about like uh, Moos and MMOCs and things like that from way, way back in the day. But yeah, it's, it, I, as far as like spreading out and having, okay, it's niche, it's Xbox. I think if you, you need to have like a critical mass because you can have an Xbox group, but if they, and if there's 20 members to it, then when you go on, the likelihood that there's going to be enough people to get like a, a big team battle going in Halo, which is 16 people, or even just a, you know, a, a team Slayer match, which is 4v4, your odds aren't that good. Uh, in, in my mind, at least, the the group feature on the consoles is really for people who have more expansive networks. So, for example, we've got, you know, 400 Griffballers. So if I go into the Griffball group, the chances that there are going to be people there who are looking to play is really, really good. Um, but if I have a, a group on Xbox that's about playing, you know, empathy games, I don't think it's going to be um, that successful. And that is where I think Discord comes in, because if you if your concentration is more dispersed, so we're not all Xbox fans, we are game fans. And so to me, having a Discord server makes more sense because that's a tool for game players, not just for Xbox players or for PlayStation players. But I would feel like I would have a better chance of finding people to share my experiences with and talk about these really cool games that we're playing on a Discord server um, as opposed to something that's more niche like Xbox. And, so and that's the order that's the order it went in. I was like, okay, I made all the separate groups and then I said, wait a minute, it's too small. Like it's I don't think this is going to work. And then I went back up and then created a Discord server. Yeah. And I, that's a perfect example of the the really cliché uh idea of failing forward. The idea that you you try something and there's nothing wrong if it doesn't work. You know, for example, you know, I'll just I'll pick on us our psych tech uh Twitter feed. It's not it's not good. It, it doesn't get the love it, it needs and deserves and it's not particularly active and it's particularly not particularly well followed. 
And that's okay. Like it's it's not a reflection on you as a community manager or content creator. If something's not working, it doesn't mean that the content is bad. It just means that maybe you're not engaging people in the place or in the way in which they want. And people, as we know, are, are pretty fickle. So the, really the only way to find what your community wants is one, ask them, which is great if you already have a community. And if you don't, which uh, is a struggle I think a lot of smaller communities have, is you just, you have to try things and see and see what happens. You know, if we had tried headshots and we got like four subscribers and that was it, we probably would have stopped headshots because it's something we went out, we tried it, it didn't work out and that's totally okay. And I just, I want to emphasize that a million times because that's yeah. um, when I've spoken on community management panels and talked to other CMs, that really seems to get them down. Like, oh, I couldn't get people to engage and I feel so bad. And it's like, no, 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 no. It just means that we're not at the right angle. We're not approaching it in the right way. And there's no manual that tells you how to do that. So go try things. Go to where your community is. And honestly, the the most important thing I think I'll say the entire podcast is listen to your community, not just in what they say, but in what they do. Because they might say, oh, yeah, I I would love a Xbox group. And then they don't use it. You know, pay attention to the the behavior, let the behavior of the community drive you forward, always within the back of your mind, making sure that you have a space that you want to be in. And the, the best example I have for that is my Griffball community. They would love it if I would get rid of the trash talk ban. So, but I am, I am explicit. Like I don't, I don't want, we call it malicious trash talk. So it's like, oh, you sucked last night. Okay. Well, that's one thing, but you know, calling people racial slurs or using sexist language or hate speech, that kind of stuff. Even if it's, oh, well, it's just for lols. No, because that's not the community that I want to be a part of. So it's always kind of this balancing act of responding to the wants of your community, but also keeping true to what you want that community to be um, as well. And hopefully that's not an issue a lot of people in geek therapy land uh, deal with is people wanting to use hate speech <laughs> and you saying no. Um, it hasn't just, come up. <laughs> yeah. But just just keep that in mind, especially if you're in a, in a gaming space, like just it's okay yeah. to, to stay true to your moral compass um, and find some kind of a way of navigating that. You know, there's an interesting example within the, the Geek Therapy Network, which is we have a show called Jedi Council, and they are incredibly active on social media, right? There's two people always on there, on, on Twitter in particular. And, and so they have more followers than even Geek Therapy does online. And, but they're not the most popular, but they, like they're, they're like Headshots has almost no interaction on Twitter and no followers on Twitter, but the show gets more downloads, more listens, right? And Look at you throwing shade at Jedi Council. Whoa. No, 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 no. Go listen to Jedi (laughs) Council. It's good. But it's one of those things where I'm like, so does the Twitter then serve the purpose of, like if, if the goal is to increase, you know, grow the podcast community to get more listeners, you know, reach more people, then is is the Twitter working for you in the, in that sense, right? And so maybe we would have more listeners if we were more active on on Twitter, but it's it hasn't been a factor in what we're doing necessarily because I can't prove that I can't prove it either way, <laughs> right? But but it doesn't necessarily um, um, if if we had tons of engagement on on Twitter and then but very few listeners, then 
then what we have is a really good Twitter account, right? And not necessarily a successful podcast. And if that was the original intent, then are we shifting? What are we doing? Um, well, I don't know. I, it's hard. Like you said, it's, it's a lot of stuff to look at. A, th- a way of reframing it is what is the goal of the podcast? So, for example, mm-hmm. Jedi Council, uh, and I, I'm not speaking for them at all, but, you know, if their goal is to, you know, engage people, like actively engage people in really interesting conversations, which they do a fantastic job, then their podcast, then their Twitter account is almost the primary and the, the podcast is almost the secondary. You know, the podcast exactly. provides the fodder for the Twitter conversation, which is a totally legitimate strategy. Whereas yep. with headshots, we are kind of the the opposite. You know, we are producing something that a lot of people are consuming, but that's that's kind of our goal because when we made it, we're like, we just want to talk about really cool shit and hopefully people, other people will like the really cool shit that we're talking about. You know, we, mm-hmm. we didn't set out to necessarily, you know, spark in-depth conversations. And if they happen, great. But that isn't necessarily our uh, our core goal. It, our core goal, it's incredibly selfish to hear ourselves talk about cool stuff that we're geeking out on this week. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's important to know, you know, what is what is the goal? What What is your measure of success? when it comes to whatever content you're creating. Yeah, and to add to that, like we didn't sit down and say, we're going to make a podcast and we're going to spend an hour each every day on social media engaging, right? That wasn't the plan. The plan was we're going to start a podcast. And, and like you, you, you go and you, you change things up uh, as, as things go along, but there was a very clear idea of what we wanted to do. And Yeah, I mean, quick origin story. This entire endeavor started a couple years ago when I saw an episode of Black Mirror and was like, oh my God, I need to process this with somebody. This is too much for me to handle alone. And so I called Hostway. I'm like, dude, we need to talk about this. And then that's that's what started Psych Tech. And then as Hostway mentioned earlier, you know, our Psych Tech episodes tended to gear more towards gaming. And so we, we split off. So there's like these very prominent points where you can see where decisions we're making. Um, but everything else beyond that is kind of organic. So that, again, it's that mix of strategic decision-making and then kind of letting the universe do its thing. And then when you get to kind of another heading, a head point, head point? Is that, that's not what it's called. Headshot? What? No, head, head point? <laughs> I cannot think of the word. Yeah, I, 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 see, I, I get it. Like where a river splits into whatever it's called, um, <laughs> you know that that those are those are really important decisions to make. And again, I want to emphasize just because something doesn't work doesn't mean that if it doesn't work in the way that you want it to, it doesn't mean that you're not doing a good job. It means that you need to pivot to use again another cheesy word um, and find out what your it means that maybe you and your community are not aligned. And so that just means you got to find find your center, go and get your tires rotated and align yourself and and try again. So everything we've talked about up to now, I think, is very valuable information for anybody who's thinking about community management or or like has ever wondered like, oh, like, how, how does this happen? Like, first of all, if you have a full time person doing it, that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> Second of all, I think most people fall kind of in the in the realm of what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. Which is, which is small niche groups. And that's what the, the Internet is built on. So so I want your feedback on two more things that I've tried. Or all right. I'm you trying. got it. OK, <clears throat> so. One, we did our first Geek Therapy community stream last night. <gasps> and it was it was very cool. So I promoted it more than I would usually promote anything on a day of. And we did a live stream and I wanted a particular format. My idea was Wait, live stream on to, what platform? On Twitch. Okay. We did Twitch. Not Mixer. Well, one, I mean, once there's more people on there, then we'll get on Mixer. 
<laughs> I heard you. Mixer. But uh, but no, no, no. Like we, we went with the most. Um, it's a friend of mine. I was like, you got to go on Mixer, man. Mixer is it. I like Mixer, though. But the people are at Twitch. So we said, OK, we're going to we're going to go on Twitch. And I promoted it. And the format is we would have someone in the mental health space playing a game genuinely. Right. Like mental health people play games, too. And we played a game and then we had a second person kind of monitoring the moderating the chat and and kind of providing conversation in addition to just the commentary. That's the format that I wanted. And mm-hmm. we did that and it was it was pretty good. We had it was our first stream ever. We had six or seven people on at one point. We got, you know, a few followers. Like that's like That's, that's fantastic. I think I, I feel great about it, right? We had a one-hour stream. It was a lot of fun. No technical hiccups. I think <laughs> I think it went well. Um, so, so like, what is your advice for someone who wants to stream? Well, the setup you're describing sounds perfect. Um, more advanced streamers can get really good at playing the game and interacting with the chat. Uh, which, but again, that's that's a, a whole different beast, especially if you're using Twitch because the delay is like. 30 seconds whereas on mixer it's like almost instantaneous just saying yeah yeah it's way better it is <laughs> uh but i mean like that, that format is great you promoted it you had somebody playing um what were they doing kind of uh talk along commentary as they played oh yeah no no yeah like okay. like we we watched streamers this was they were doing uh commentary um they were also engaging with the comments like it was just oh, a, good, a good. i i, I want to set it up this way because i want it to be a space where mental health is something that we can talk about mm-hmm. and i think it's like to do it responsibly, I would like to make sure that there's a second person there to to just be available to to you know really that, handle the situation in, in just in case. Yeah. That was actually going to be my next comment. Is it is such yeah. a a clinician thing to think about the the ethical responsibility of streaming about mental health, in oh, yeah. that you had somebody you know um, like personing the the Twitch chat. And when we have big griffball streams, you know, we do that as well. We try to make sure that whoever is broadcasting, they can just focus on commentating the game and they, they do respond to Q&A from the chat. But there's also at least one or two moderators in there, depending on the side, uh, um, the size of the event to make sure that, you know, trolls get quashed and that things are responded to uh, appropriately. And, you know, our, our guidelines are are followed and, you know, having to sit somebody out or redirect somebody, you know, that that's really important. So I'm, I'm stoked to hear that it, it went so well. And um, for anybody out there who might be thinking only six, well, either one, you're a big time person. And so six doesn't seem like much. Uh, or two, you don't quite understand that any audience on Twitch um, that will, especially one that will engage with you is invaluable, even if it's just one or two people. Like that's huge because mm-hmm. it's people's yep. time and there's so many things, other things that they could be doing, but they chose to come and hang out with you. So keep that in mind. Uh, the yep. only other thing I might I might recommend is that you bring in some ringers <laughs> uh, for, for future broadcasts so that- uh, What you do know, you mean by that? What's a ringer? What uh, somebody uh, like a plant or a confederate to use a, a psychology term, uh, people who are already invested in the community, so someone like myself, um, who's in there not necessarily to answer questions, but to kind of talk like a normal person in the chat, make the make the chat seem active. Because for somebody who's watching, if they're chatting and then you know they only get like one response or there's not like an active conversation going on, they're more likely to... Uh, get distracted by something shiny and and go elsewhere. 
Um, so yeah, planting or seeding your audience, I think is the, the conference term for it. Um, and it doesn't have to be a lot, just, you know, a couple people um, could be could be really great as well. You don't, obviously don't want them to dominate the conversation and then make new people feel like, oh, wait, I don't know what's going on here and I should leave. But it's kind of like, you know, if I'm in there and I see the chat hasn't moved in, you know, a minute or so, I might go, oh, wow, that was really cool. Or, huh, I wonder <laughs> this one thing. So, yeah, it's kind of it's a little a little bit of a, a side hustle, I guess, is a, is a way to think about it. Um but no, I mean, it's, it sounds like it went great. And as long as the people who were streaming enjoyed it and the chat box generally enjoyed it. Uh, oh, one last thing on that. Did you set a next date and tell people in the chat when the next time you would be doing it is? So that's what I was going to get at, right? So I think consistency is something that we really haven't brought so up, which is key. important, right? So like we we try to hit our, you know, the podcast every, you know, Consistently, right? The same time, um, same day, every every other week, right? Geek therapy is a weekly thing, and so yeah, the the plan is to do this um, once. Right now, for for now, as we're getting started, once a week at the same time, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I mean that's a lesson that I learned the hard way from from doing the streaming with Griffball is having one like we started out just one hour one day a week. And that was yeah. it. And now we're streaming multiple hours over multiple days, and it's all like scheduled. Um, you, you, even if you know nothing else, Wednesday night Griff Brawl is a thing. And so, you know, every Wednesday night we're there playing Griff Ball. Um, and yeah. then, there, then there came Thursday night Griff Brawl. And then there was special Monday night. And so, yeah, you just kind of expand from there. But that consistency, so people, I mean, because that's key to behavior change, right? Is the idea that there's a consistent. Um, thing to connect to that okay this always happens at this day at this time and you you can count on it that way people can actually like work it into their schedules um, and, and it can be really helpful all right so the ne- the last thing that I want to talk about okay which is destiny 2 of is course coming it out is today right when, when this is coming out <laughs> it's coming out right Bungie right yes creators of Halo they've made destiny now they're making destiny 2 they added this thing that I think is amazing from a community organization standpoint, which is, well, first of all, they have like fully fleshed out clans now, right? So the one th- the first thing I did is that I created, I created a Geek Therapy clan. I'm, I'm, again, let's see what sticks, right? I'm hoping that this is one of those examples where there's enough people there. And, and the Destiny clan, I like what they did. It's, it works across platforms. So I even if you ask. are on different platforms, they... You're all working towards similar goals. You're all gaining XP together. You can earn rewards together. So I think that that is fantastic that they did it that way. Mm -hmm. Did they fix the thing where if someone's one level higher than you, it's a miserable experience for you? Because that's my major complaint with Destiny and why I stopped playing. I don't know what you're talking about. Destiny is never a miserable experience. (laughs) It is always fantastic. (laughs) Seriously, I have no idea what you're talking about. Hmm. Levels don't matter in multiplayer and single player. Um, you can sharper somebody along, but I mean, it's not miserable. Come on. I've never no, had it, a miserable it was miserable because all my friends would be like a level or two because they would grind through the night, but I couldn't because I had a tiny little baby. And then it sucked because they were even just one level ahead of me. The, the enemies were too difficult. I couldn't defeat them. And so I ended up just being bait or you know hiding in a corner. And it was not a fun experience. And I did not last long in that. So mm. just throwing it yeah. out there. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think you were doing it wrong. But so so clans <laughs> are way sleeping. better now, right? <laughs> clans are way better now. Um but they had it they added this thing called guided games, which is 
this really cool thing where you you essentially have a role. You can choose role as a seeker or as a guide, right? And then once you go into this to this framework as a seeker or a guide, and I think it, it only works through the client. So if even if I'm not a member of a client, I can go and say, hey, I'm a seeker. I want to do the this week's nightfall and I don't have anybody to do it with. Then people who have, who have taken roles as guides within clans, they can say, okay, then um, we'll take on a seeker and help them through this, this experience. And right before you do it, there's this moment where you have to take an oath. Okay. It's essentially like an agreement that you, that you do. And when you um, agree and you take the, the quote unquote oath, um, you're agreeing that, you know, I, as a seeker, I understand that my skill level is probably um, lower and I am, you know, I am agreeing to be guided by these people who are more experienced than I am. And the guide is agreeing to recognize that the seeker is looking for guidance and wants help to get through the thing. And we're going to be cool to each other because our goal is to complete the objective. And this whole thing kind of blows my mind because they took like there were LFG groups are you looking for group um, websites and, and forums that were formed to help people get through some of the end game content. And it was really hard. But this it, it makes it easier because of that kind of taking on that role. And so two parts. I just want to get your thoughts on, on kind of that guided game system. And second of all, like I just wanted to mention that uh, that's a, the newest thing that I created. And I I'm pushing. I'm like, hey, guys, like, come on. Join. Doesn't matter the platform. And I'm really hoping that this one sticks because <laughs> that's where I'll spend most of my time for the next couple of months. Um, but yeah, I just want to put that, put that out there. The idea of guided games is really interesting because I, I know when I was playing Destiny and the friends that I have who continue to uh, play Destiny, one of their biggest complaints is having to be either a backpack or the people they're working with not listening. So one of my friends, uh, his gamer tag is level 25 Magikarp. I think, I think that's it. Um, he's really good. Like he's, he's very, very good at destiny. And so he would try and help other players. And so would join looking for groups and stuff to get people through vault of glass or whatever. And then the people wouldn't listen to him. And I know he got really, really kind of jaded and frustrated because he would hear he is, he's trying to help people and I was like oh no I'm not going to do it that way and he's like I've beaten this by myself on the hardest setting I know how to get through this so I think uh, the oath is a nice cognitive framework to I mean obviously it's not binding and you're not going to get your hands chopped off if you don't do it but it's but kind I feel of like, it's like a, a priming mechanism right it's exactly yeah. it's, it's a priming mechanism that hey this is kind of the mental space um, to be in I really hope it doesn't make the guides like go on a power trip but um yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a really interesting idea. And I, I think it's a really good example of how Bungie saw what their community was doing and then responded uh, in in a way, in an inappropriate way. You know, the, the large contingency of their community are having neutral to blah experiences trying to complete their game. And that's that's not anything that any game designer ever wants to have happen. So, okay, well, how, you know, we could think of a million ways to address it, but how are they addressing it? What kind of workarounds have they discovered? And so that's where you get the looking for groups. And um, I know Xbox has done the same thing, looking for groups. So yeah, I think, I think that's a, an interesting way to respond to a need in the community. And I'll be interested to see how you experience it. Uh, Provided that you get to be on both sides as the the guided and the guide, I think that would be a really valuable uh, insight. 
So I, I look forward to to hearing about it. And as far as the the group, I I might I might join if I hear that they fix that leveling crap. So just saying. But then you can just just like I don't know. Get in, get in on the clan. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> do it. Um. Again, like, and, and I guess we can we can visit that in the future and just see how it went. Because my hope is that right now, so many people are going to get into Destiny Two, and and like we can all work together towards a goal. I'm I'm going to see. I'm going to try to put everything that we talked about into into practice. Right with this new clan, I'm going to try to push it. Try to be consistent. Try to like organize it in a way that I've never really organized anything before. Like I've never really organized any sort of clan or, or gaming nights or groups or anything like that. So I'm going to try to do that. And I think that the roles part is is really important. Like if if I'm going to take on a leadership role, then I want to make sure that I'm 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 a leader in that sense. And then it, and I recognize other people who can also um, take on leadership roles and other people who like if they don't want to do that, then then that's cool. They're just here to to play and or or, or be like a really good player. Or I don't know. I think that's a big part of it too within any of these communities. Oh, absolutely. And I just want to, again, encourage any of the content creators out there or or community managers to just persist. And in terms of the consistency, even if nobody shows up, you still do. I can't tell you how many times there was um, a a Griffle game got canceled for our live stream nights. And it would have been really easy to go, oh, no, Wednesday night Griff Brawl a night or no Thursday night Griff Brawl a night because of, you know, whatever issues. And instead, we would go into matchmaking and then we would get so, you know, there, there were ways to even when there were technical issues or, you know, unforeseeable things like teams canceling, you still produce the content. You still allow that space because if someone's coming regularly and then there's a skip, you know, people are pretty forgiving. But yeah, that, that consistency, knowing that somebody is there. So even if you're going alone, just keep persisting it because hopefully it's something that you enjoy doing anyway. Um, but yeah, keep at it. And, you know, don't ever be afraid to, to ask for help. Like, hey, I need... You know, don't ask, don't be afraid to be the guide, the guided uh, as, as well as the guide. You can, you contain multitudes. You can do it all. All right. So I think this was a good discussion. I think it was helpful for me. I hope it's helpful for other people. I hope it was a cool conversation. And to recap, we're probably going to kill our Twitters (laughs) for (laughs) our Twitter uh, profiles for, for, for this show, just because we're never there. Um, But you can find us online at headshotspodcast.com for more Headshots Podcast. We're part of the Geek Therapy Network. And so to recap some of the things that we mentioned here, the Destiny 2 clan is Geek Therapy Community Clan. I didn't get crazy with the name, just straight to the point, right? GTCC. And then the Discord server is discord.com slash geek therapy, I'm pretty sure. And then let me see, the Facebook group is facebook.com slash groups slash geek therapy. And then just look up geek therapy wherever you're at. We're pro- we've probably tried something in that space at some point. <laughs> That's if you listen to this podcast or you listen to any of the others or just want to interact with people, you know, who are like Kelly and I, who who are super geeky about very particular things, including video games, Destiny 2, um, and and care about psychology and mental health and, and want to create spaces where those things coexist and conversations about both of them can happen. And then we can talk about community management and blowing shit up, but also talk about, you know, priming and behavior behavior modification. And it doesn't feel weird. (laughs) All right. I'm totally calling dibs on the Halloween stream edition where I play Town of Light and everybody gets to hear me scream like a girl. 
yes, yes, you are invited. That's kind of the point. I want rotating <laughs> cast on, the, on that Twitch stream. And that Twitch stream, thank you, is twitch.tv slash geektherapy. Okay, so, so that's it for us this week. Um, and we'll be back in two weeks with that consistency. You've just listened to Headshots on the Geek Therapy Podcast Network. For more about Geek Therapy and our other podcasts, visit geektherapy.com.